And welcome to Art is a Competition, uh, where we are still all over the slam brackets. It feels like it just started yesterday, but it's been months and months and months. My name's Eric Reiber, and I'm here with Gabe Huddleston. Give me the music. Give me the music. Give me the music. I will give you the music, yes. Give me the music now. I don't know, somehow all this music makes me think of like Arnold Schwarzenegger or some <laughs> for some reason. And uh, even though, it, you know, it's not in the movie, it's just the, the era, the moment uh, brings it all up. There and, was some uh, kind of awkward dance break in Kindergarten Cop, wasn't there? Of Some kind of, ooh, maybe, I don't know. I might I be know, misremembering. It, it definitely like, it has like a gritty nightclub moment. Yeah, like, there is at the that beginning. Part. Yeah. Uh, or something like that when he's trying when he's first catching the bad guy. But then, yeah, I don't know. I I need to go back to Kindergarten Cop. It really is a a, a seminal work of of the mo- of that time. Oh yeah, that and Twins, right? I mean, no yeah. better '90s like. So here's the. I just I want to be in pitch rooms anyway. Already getting off on a. How's it going? Doing all right? Did we miss anything? Totally. Did we no, miss anything since we've been gone? Few- few things going on just here and there you know <laughs> little little things nothing little big. stuff yeah um yeah presidential election you know that is apparently still happening there's still you know <laughs> psychos who are trying to do stuff that is i'm actually uh, broadcasting from the um four seasons uh uh landscaping company right now I'm four, out. Four Seasons Landscaping over on, you know, over there on off the off the expressway. We got, you know, rototillers and uh, no, we don't have no podium. There's a great or a great tweet. I saw that one. That was Yeah, oh my, I fell in love with that. It's so good. Um, There's a uh, a buddy of mine lives near Philly and we're on a text chain and someone texted him. There's apparently going to be a. Uh, fundraising run that starts from Four Seasons Landscaping <laughs> all the way through Philadelphia for the uh, upcoming runoffs. Uh, and he's like, oh, well, I have to do that. So <laughs> nice. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. We're going to have some tasty cakes, drink some water. Water. You know, go, go, go to Geno's. <laughs> be, be awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh Boy. man, what a crazy time. It feels like, I mean, we haven't done one of these in a while, but may, but last, what you know, that week long Tuesday that we had essentially. Yeah. Uh makes it feel like it was even longer ago for sure. I mean, weeks can take months and days can take seconds. It's time is like, irrelevant right now I'm for most things, so it's fine. I've tried to like sit down and write about the the weird compression and uh you know, protraction of time. And I, I can't do it. Like my brain, I don't have a big enough brain to like really express how it's felt in words, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's something real that people are experiencing that, um, yeah, that none of us really know how to deal with. No. And especially when you're like, you know, I've often talked to folks about, um, we're going to get to the music here in a minute, people, but we have, you know, we got to get some serious things off our chest first, but I've talked to people about like, what, what is the ideal age to experience a pandemic? And I think it's either, you know, health concerns notwithstanding, it's it's retirement age, right? Like where yeah. time was already kind of irrelevant if you're retired anyway. And so it's not as big of an adjustment or it's, you know, that college age where you're sleeping until two o'clock in the afternoon and you can literally waste like my biggest frustration. I think when you have like a regular clock, like a job or the kids are in school or something like that, then the time thing that you're talking about makes it even yeah. more kind of 
you know, you feel it even more. But I also think like the ability to not like, I just want to sleep sometimes. And I mean, obviously like I, you know, kids and other commitments, I can't sleep all day, but it's like, I can't because I'm not sleeping well. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, time would go so much faster if I could just sleep more. Yeah. If you could could just somehow, you know, some days it's, you know, it's obviously like a, a collective depression where you, you know, you'd like to just make a day evaporate and yes. yet, and then the next day you're like, oh my God, I didn't do anything. I, I feel so guilty that I let the day evaporate. Like, yeah. And so, when you were 20, you know, oh yeah. man, I slept past the cafeteria closed. I'm not going to be able to get there. Oh, well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no that stuff did, did not. Uh, yeah. All the hot pocket. Uh, right. <laughs> I'll microwave right. Yeah. something and I'll be fine. There's, there's a tube of Pringles somewhere under this bed next to the bomb. <laughs> I'll somewhere. be fine. I'll be fine. Anyway. Well, speaking of time not mattering, 90s pop music, man. Absolutely. One of those uh, uh, one of those moments where, again, 1998 could be 1990 or, eight, nine, heck, it could be 1987 yeah. and vice versa. Like, really... Uh, Really, an extraordinary range of stuff that we get in this uh, specific bracket, and and particularly how uh, you know I've chosen to to try to break it down um, to make it more explicit, so that I'm not just talking in circles. We are doing the '90s dance, pop, and R&B slam brackets. Um, we're doing two of them, uh, two 128 song brackets, and they're going to be split up based on where they were released in the decade. We're doing 1990 to 1994, and then a second bracket for 1995 to 1999. Um, initially, I was I was really considering breaking this bracket up, you know, to go with our tennis conceit. Uh, I was going to possibly try to break this up into men's and women's. Yeah, I saw that in your notes here. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like like the way a tennis grand slam goes, you know, if you're watching Wimbledon, you've got a men's bracket and you've got a women's bracket. And it's you know, it's great, it's compelling. The but obviously that is done for, you know, any number of reasons, uh, you know, physiology and, and all sorts of different stuff. Uh we won't get into all that right now. But obviously it's done for reasons that don't don't obtain in music. Um and so I, you know, I started to think, well, I, I really want women to perform well. So I, if I gave them their own bracket, hey, a woman is guaranteed to win. <laughs> but and we have we've made some colossal. Uh, it, I don't. Well, we don't vote, so it's not our I, fault. Yeah, but I don't know if we've made errors, but we've certainly discovered that there is. Uh, there's I some think biases at in, yeah, in play. A, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's 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 implicit biases and and. And, you know, built-in misogyny in, you know, not that people are, like, practicing it or whatever. It just happens because that's the way the world is. Um, but, you know, so I was, I was really, I was very, wa- I was very much wanting to, like, guarantee that one of these ends with a woman winning. Um, for whatever reason, this does this shit doesn't matter. This <laughs> no, isn't real. No, no, but no. for my it's own no, psychic health, I no wanted stake. it. There's no stakes. No. Only the ones that uh, we invent. Right, exactly. Um, but I, you know, I was convinced by a few people that I, I consulted with that that would be silly, and that just let just let the songs fight fight it out amongst themselves. Yeah, um, and that, I mean that you get some good discussions that way too, and you also, yeah, uh, you know, a, a, as 
I mean, I think the discussion of which I, we actually, you know, have had some somewhat serious discussions out of this very silly thing. But, um, you know, like I, I do think that the give and take of like, for example, of like Tori Amos having as many, if not more songs than anybody else did in the alt rock or the alternative bracket and getting destroyed, not even yeah. making it past the third round, I think, in Oof. any of them. I, right? I don't think that's I don't know if she. She maybe had one song into the second round. It was yeah. not good. Yeah. Um, and the discussions that come from that of like, why does this happen? You know, I think mm-hmm. it, are, it can always be interesting to kind of talk about and, and you know, hypothesize about, you know, the reasoning behind it and what's actually at play, um, which gets you into kind of some kind of interesting conversations about artistry and artist and kind of separating identity from um uh, those types of things and what we identify with a genre of music. It'll be interesting to see how gender plays in this particular dynamic. Um, you know, I'm just looking through the the way that you had it separated by men's and women's. It'll be interesting to see how we kind of play that out. Plus, you know, you'd get into, if you tried to do it like this, like, you know, does a girl fronted band count in the yeah. women gender, but you know, like that's, that's- kind of hard too. Yeah, I felt I felt a little disingenuous and and dishonest at the end anyway because I was I was counting, you know, I was counting like garbage in uh yeah. the women's bracket and obviously Shirley Manson is the uh Shirley Manson club me over the head with a bucket of rain, but uh she's she's the face that we remember with garbage, but the rest of the band was dudes. And yes. so it's not even like appropriately gendered represented in that regard so it was it wasn't necessarily a fool's errand but i think splitting the decade is much more effective one because there was just too many songs to try to to and i and the qualification i liked doing the qualification for the uh for the rock and grunge but it wasn't going to be as effective in this regard because there were just way too many this this bracket is all about hits it's 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 a it's about hits and not you know regardless of quality and regardless of of where these songs will be in a hundred or 200 years you know 30 years ago 25 years ago 21 years ago these songs were the biggest things in the world and so they needed to all get appropriate attention um and so splitting it by the decade or splitting the decade and a half really works uh regardless and and i th- you know the 90s maybe you know i was looking back at like the 80s and the 70s and i think the 90s split at 94 95 better than a lot of other ones for whatever reason i don't know what it what it was but um just sort of that that i think it was you know probably any number of things that contributed to it but the uh the way that that culture changed in the middle of that decade, really, it was obviously like the death of Kurt Cobain mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a million other little things. Oh, uh, the, the rise of Napster. I mean, yeah, which probably total request a, live. Yeah. I mean, probably had a thing, probably had a bigger impact on pop music than anything else in terms of yeah. like, cause you're talking about, you know, I don't know how much it existed for all rock bands but the album was still a thing for rock music to to a certain extent like you said with this these are these are hit songs these are singles yeah. right even though they were released on albums and we're not we don't really do the 
and nineteen ninety, but, but nineteen ninety five was kind of the moment when the album probably fell away. Yes, uh, more than than any point, and uh, it was just a slow, you know, while they still existed and and existed in greater proliferation at the end of the nineties, and uh, they it was still the moment when like singles, uh, yeah came back to being the the key as opposed to trying to yeah i mean pop music yeah. was just set up to be completely destroyed by something like napster because it was always a single factory right yeah. like it i mean all these are just like what's where's the hit where's you know how many right hits or at least trying to sell trying to sell an album just on the strength of a of single one song uh, of yeah. one song yeah as and soon still, as people could get that one song it yeah was and still dumb. i mean early 90s you still had things like you know, LPs and, and EPs and stuff had pretty, and singles had pretty much, you know, 45s have gone away, but there was still like, I mean, I bought single cassettes, you know, oh, I, I in the had, early nineties, I, I had a ton of single in the, in the cardboard sleeves that they came in. I mean, I had a ton yeah. of those. Just yesterday I fished out some, some singles CDs that I had from the end of the nineties. Wow. Like that was, I mean, those were a very quick moment in time. Uh, but yeah, single CDs existed, and that I don't was think I ever cool. owned a single CD. That's pretty. I didn't even know those existed. Yeah, yeah. I had a, you know, I I had a few that I got for, as like promotional materials, um, you know, like going to see bands mm-hmm. that they that they just uh, hand out, you know, as a as a way to try to get like people to play it on college radio. Sure. Um, but then I had a few. I had a few like weird like particularly like European groups and like in this dance bracket, like I didn't, I didn't get too obscure with the dance because that would just be, you know, that would, we'd get really far afield and and those songs would not perform well uh, in a, in a bracket setting. But uh, yeah, I had, I had some like, you know, Euro dance, in singles. a discotheque they would in they would do very they absolutely. would do very well but <laughs> not no i had, i had french rap singles i'm i'm going to i'm going to get real real uh fart sniffy oh there. yeah there but, was a whoa what was the oh my gosh what was the french he had he crossed over into the us and he was like a like a toddler he wasn't that young but he had like a french oh jordi was that are you, thinking, that was? are you thinking of jordi yeah i think probably that's that's yeah. yeah, that's probably who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. he was weird. I, I'm, now I'm going to have to put that in later because I don't have it at my fingertips, but I'm yeah. definitely going to look up some some Jaldi. <laughs> All right, so where we are is that we are looking at... Um, we've already done our plans, which uh, the plans in this bracket were the big names. They were... Uh, the ones that everybody knows um, because I had so... Because, again... This was, while there were tons and tons of songs, there was a predominance of, or there there were lots of artists who had multiple entries that mm-hmm. I that I was considering. Boys to Men, uh, Britney Spears, obviously CNC Music Factory. If we're just um, so we had we had plans for those, um, and I'm gonna list the winners for each of the for each of the decade splits just so that we know who who already has songs in these will probably not these will not be their top seeds these were like the songs that were um you know their third fourth fifth singles of the decade that were obviously still big hits and ones that people remember uh but were not necessarily the ones that we're going to be talking about when we're talking about seeds um so 
in the 90 to 94, uh, the play-in winners were Ace of Base, I Saw the Sign, which I thought I Saw the Sign was like their biggest one, but Don't Turn or not Don't Turn uh, it beat Don't Turn Around. Um, all That She Wants was like their biggest hit for whatever reason, like globally. Um, all around. And yeah, and so I like that one is the one that I kept out for seeding. Um, and I think also I, I saw the sign was bigger in the U.S., but like globally, uh, All That She Wants was the biggest, and it's gotten the most plays on Spotify, So, um, which was surprising to me. So I saw the sign. Boys to Men, Motown Philly. Uh, CNC Music Factory, Things That Make You Go Home, mm-hmm. Color Me Bad, All For Love, Depeche Mode, Personal Jesus, En Vogue, Free Your Mind. They had a lot of songs that mm-hmm. I really considered. En Vogue um, was a thing. Like oh, it was, yeah. it, I don't think you can underestimate how big En Vogue was yeah, for and, a particular it, moment in time. Really, yeah, that first couple years of of the 90s that was huge and then they faded away uh for a minute and then had a big hit in the second half of the decade that'll that'll be in there but um in excess disappear janet jackson if and again janet is one of those weird artists who like rhythm nation was such a a huge thing but it was 19 1989 that it was released um it was early in 89 and she, I think she even had a single from it out in 88. And so like rhythm nation spanned almost like four years. She was almost dropping singles from it. Wow. Like right before the Janet album came out. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was, it I'm was so a, mad that that beat, uh, got to you. It's gone. Cause that song is awesome. Like that, well, that whole, was, that, that yeah, that's album. for the next, that's for the next half of the decade. Oh, okay. Um, that, uh, I think either anytime, any place. Well, at any rate, yeah. I I was disappointed that it got got till it's gone may make it back in on like a, an injury or something like that because I enjoyed it. I listened to that song and I really enjoyed it. That out al- that whole album is really good and it's really different from her, a lot of other stuff that she did. It was like her, kind of her, I don't know, uh, you know, just a different kind of move yeah. for her and then she quickly went back to the other stuff but um i really enjoyed that album yeah you're absolutely right velvet rope is it might it might be the most uh if we're gonna have the terms of this bracket like get mushed together dance pop and r&b like all together it was a dance album mm-hmm. um it was a pop album it had fun samples uh yeah, but it had a real dance aesthetic, like yeah. more more than our other ones that were much more pure sort of New Jack Swing R and P. Yep. Like it was it was a club record, um, and and had lot tons of remixes. It had like like it was it had like some really like big house DJs mm-hmm. remix stuff for for the Velvet Rope and uh, and had some amazing products come out. Yeah, I tried not to get too much into the house stuff because I could just spend hours and hours listening to yeah. and just put putting old like Frankie Knuckles and things like that on this bracket would have been just me <laughs> being really, really obnoxious. So I didn't do that. Do a house bracket, Eric. I, I, that's going to happen. I'm sure. <laughs> um, all right, let me just buzz through. We had Joe to see forever. My lady Keith sweat, get up on it. Madonna, justify my love. Mariah Carey, Dream Lover, which that, man, I can't, that song is so good. That could be a seed in and of itself. Yep. Um, Mary J. Blige, Sweet Thing. Um, Michael Jackson, Black or White. Portishead, 
Glory Box, Prince Get Off, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, TLC, Tony, 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 If I Had No Loot, U2, Even Better Than The Real Thing, and Whitney Houston, I'm Every Woman. So those are all play-ins. Those are all into the bracket, but they're not going to be the seeds. Um, in the 90, we'll talk 95, 99 uh, later. Um, because we should just we should start we should just focus on on one uh, time range. And so then we can come back and talk about the other one. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my so, other one in that my hot take tweet on the other one was like I get why everybody voted for Get Off, but Seven is the better song. Sorry, just it's hands down the better song. Seven is amazing, and I mean, Prince was Prince was a tough one for me because yeah. the Diamonds and Pearls album was both in terms of like sales, airplay, just overall it was huge. like it was it was massive and and I mean qualitatively it was just exceptionally good. Sure. Like it yeah. um it's not like these were somehow like popular and stinkers or weird or something like that. Like it was it was an album with like six yeah. nuts super good songs and, and a hologram cover. Because I had that CD and it had a hologram Ooh. cover on the front. Yep. Wow. I don't think I ever bought. That's one that I'm not sure that I ever bought because it kind C- of existed in the in the in the uh, zeitgeist so so thoroughly that I could just hear it wherever I was. Yeah, totally um, had that album and it had a, it had a hologram. It was like Prince and the two female singers like uh-huh. moving with you know pearls kind of draped in between them kind of thing but yeah i can totally see it we're gonna have to put like a warning label on this podcast (laughs) if you start talking about it anymore good yeah no gosh yeah that 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 i wonder how many people had their sort of pubescent sexual awakening to (laughs) to that whole entire album (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely i mean and the cover yeah exactly i I do not think it can be underestimated and the videos and oh my gosh yeah yeah. i mean so crazy and yeah i mean uh seven that album what is it what was that was that the the symbol album i think think. that was on the love symbol album Yeah, yeah yeah and uh that album is not as good as as Diamonds and Pearls is as a, from top to bottom in terms of an album. But Seven is the better Seven is a better song than any song on that Diamonds and Pearls, in my opinion. Um, but but from an album point of view, not even close. And, and yeah, it's kind of like going back to the '80s. Um, you know, um, Around the World in 80 Days wasn't that the follow up after? Uh, Purple Rain, I After think. After Purple Rain, it might be, yeah. My um, Prince discography is not, you know, right at my fingertips. But no, but I think it, you're right. It's uneven, and I mean that's kind of what made him such a genius is he just put out so much stuff, um, and it and it is uneven. But anyway, whatever that follow up album was, oh, now I'm gonna have to look. But anyway, the song that was on that that was the single was really great, but the rest of the album was terrible compared to Purple Rain. Although the the love symbol album does it, the, another one of the plans was Morning Papers, which is a, a, That's a good you know, song. one of those weird songs that like, you know, a weird narrative track that he just, you know, he did better than like everybody else. That that like if somebody, it was so odd that that he could do these songs that no one else could do and make them great, and yet he, you know, he, whether it was intentional or simply just wasn't in his bailiwick, like didn't just make like a like stop making the pure pop songs hmm. that would just hit yeah. like 
throughout the 90s like you know he did diamonds and pearls and then the rest of it was just you know him doing very uh esoteric and odd uh you know psychosexual stuff that that was just never gonna quite make it on the radio like raspberry beret or any of the the just you know knock it out the park grand slam hits that that he made in the night or in the 80s um yeah around the world in a day uh mm -hmm. had um raspberry beret on it which is a fantastic song but um the rest of the album is kind of uneven compared to obviously to purple rain which just is like you still to this day can listen to the whole entire thing all the way through yep all right well let's take a break and look at the seeds for this bracket All right, so if we are looking at 1990 through 94, we've got some 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 really uh, some just world defining hits uh, from this time. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know how to even describe them. They're you know one of the if not the greatest selling single of all time. Um, I I probably should look that up, or I should, probably should already know that, but I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure. Well, no, I'm wrong because I think it was supersede. Again, we're we're gonna we're gonna do soundtracks at some point. Yeah, at some point in our life, that's gonna happen. I don't know when if it'll be before we all melt into goo or not. But uh, I will always love you. Yep. is from nineteen ninety to ninety four. Um. And so I, I, I'm saying that, and I thought that that was the biggest single of all time, but I think it was, I think, and I think it was, but I think it was eventually eclipsed by another uh, single from a, a move, a big movie that happened in the last half of the nineties. Um, I'm sure you can all figure that, figure out. I won't, it's not a mystery. It's uh, um, my heart will go on. My heart will go on. Exactly. Right. There you go. But for a minute, uh, I will always love you was I'm, the biggest thing that had ever happened. Um, I remember when that movie came out, I think my parents went out to see it on a date. It was a very special night for them. I'm sure. Uh, you know, if we're going to create cringy sexual, uh, you know, subtext to this whole thing, um, which this, this whole bracket, particularly 90 to 94 for, for our age group. And then for people younger than us, 95 to 99 is probably the same thing, but this is like, this is prom date songs this is uh oh yeah you know homecoming dance songs and it it really uh yeah it, it really just encapsulates every song that you ever ever heard in those moments when this you would be a hell of a feeling feelings that you would give to some girl that you really liked that didn't want to give you the time of day absolutely this this is this is not one where you're trying to like you know impress them by showing you showing them all the obscure stuff you know this is like no i know the sex songs 
These are the sex songs. Okay, I know what that is. But I'm also very sensitive, <laughs> right. and I yes. care about you, and I love you. So, yep. yeah, exactly. So, so now, did you actually make seeds? or I, I did not make seeds. Right. I was just going to cool. kind of go by what you – I was just going to judge whatever you did. Yes, yeah, so, absolutely. So in the you list know, my, I, my self-esteem is feeling great right now, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's something that I'm – excited about i'll be the girl that you've given the mixtape to oh and that's nice thanks God, i'll listen this... i'll listen to it later oh my <laughs> i'm just i'm feeling so race. confused right now um all right so here we go so i i picked out my top 32 but uh but i will i will tell you my top 16 and then and if you think there's anything missing or if there's so uh, the list to the left of your top 32 that starts that right. That was just, that's just like in, in the, that's just like an alphabetical list of my top 32. And then I put them in, I put them in order next got it. to it. So, got it. So, uh, as discussed before, I, I picked, I will always love you. Whitney Houston as my yeah. number one seed from 90 to 94. Yeah. It's, um, it's the Duke of this, of this bracket for sure. Yeah. I, there were a couple that, that I, I really almost did put in front of it but i it uh it just met all it ticked all the boxes right. um like again it's not a it's not actually a dance song like we're talking about dancing in the club but like if you went to a school dance in the 90s somebody played i will always love you yes um and everybody ran to the walls or the the creepy kids who you know were in love truly thought they were in love went and danced in the middle of the floor uh and the question but, so, is, like, you know, for everybody to ask themselves is, I was how many years old when I found out that Dolly Parton wrote the original ooh, version yeah. of this song, right? Like, if you saw the movie, which I don't, I think the song, I don't think I saw the movie until later. So, and even yeah. I think, to be honest, I think even seeing the movie, because they play it in that scene on the jukebox, mm-hmm. but they never make a reference to dolly i don't think it's just and for people i know that dolly is like you know the hipster queen that she is now and we all quite a resurgence yeah yeah, we've worship all things dolly and rightfully so but but i don't think people understand that dolly was kind of seen as well i i I think dolly was seen as kind of like a relic of the 80s at that point in the 90s right of kind of a joke of kind of like this yeah absolutely you know i don't think i don't think that's just you like yeah like like if you were to at that moment say who's dolly parton you know you'd get some some crass statements and you're like oh she's she's making a a theme park and she she certainly wasn't respected as an art like as a artist that let's put it that way Right. Or, she was yeah, more, more not about, popularly. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, but, you know, you find that out and then you find out that, you know, how much money not only did that <laughs> song make Whitney Houston, but also how much money that made Dolly Parton. Yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy. But um, but everybody I think everybody has that moment of like, oh, oh, wow. I didn't know that 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 was an original and it was done by Dolly Parton in that yeah. particular way. And that the story behind it if you know the story behind when she wrote that song, which I I'll try to tell real quickly, but so Dolly Parton, when she first came up was with, um, on a TV show with a guy that I now can't remember his name. 
Um, but anyway, it was somebody, it was somebody, fam- it was a famous, it was a famous singer. country artist. Um, I'm looking it up right now, but anyway, back in, back in these, in the seventies, sixties, seventies, um, there was a lot of these local country shows that were usually fronted by a country artist, a star male and they Porter usually, Wagner, Porter Wagner. That's exactly right. And, um, they always had the singing sing girl or something like that, that I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly what they called her, but it was basically a very good looking woman, younger girl who would sing duets with, with the lead star yeah. of the show and, um, you know, and, and kind of do all these other kind of things. Well, Dolly Parton was Porter Wagner's sing girl and, um, eventually got bigger than Porter Wagner was. I mean, yeah. was and, but Porter Wagner had her under a really onerous contract, right? She couldn't get out of mm-hmm. it, all of these different kind of things. And so she finally, um, figured out a way to get out of it and was going to strike out on her own and still, I think, I don't think they were ever married, but they were, de- they were an item. Yeah. And she wrote, I will always love you when, and sang it to him when she told him I'm leaving the show <laughs> essentially. Right. Like Just this is getting what, your heart broken with a, the biggest sledgehammer ever built. That yeah. is also, yeah, just exactly. But weird. wrote it for him. And, and she tells the story of like, that was the only way that I could really tell him that like, I'm leaving you. Yeah. Um, but I thank you for everything that you did for me. And then she went on to become, you know, like one of the biggest country music artists of all time um, after she left that show. But that's the that's the original story of that of that particular song um, that then gains a whole new life in this film, a big giant movie and, and Whitney kind of giving it a, a whole new kind of take. But, yeah, uh, it's it's a. For all of those reasons and more, not only just the sales, I think it has to be number one because there's just like a lore with it at this point, yep. right? Like there's legends that on top of legends at this point with that particular song. Yeah, it implicates Kevin Costner, who is <laughs> as 90s as you can possibly get and all, all those things. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's the 90s. Um, my second seed is, and, I, and my second third seed, I really vacillated. Um, I can see and that. I almost had, so my number two seed is Waterfalls TLC, and my number three seed is uh, Madonna Vogue. And I had always thought that Waterfalls, I, I shouldn't say I always thought. In my mind, when I look back at the decade, Waterfalls was after 1995 for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't, like, it was, I it was with... It was with the No Scrubs era mm-hmm. TLC for some reason, but like that's completely wrong. It was it was a '94 release, and and so I hadn't. I don't know. It just. But I think it lasted. In oh my in, gosh, it played on the radio for close to like two years oh, after it was released. Easily, yeah, because I I I am 100 sure I have journals to document it that uh, Waterfalls was played at a party that I went to in 1996. Right. So, like, like that that couldn't have been just, like, somebody being weird. It was just, like, it was, like, on the radio. So, um, no, so number three is Madonna Vogue. And then rounding out the top four, I, again, vacillated and and wasn't sure that I was going to – even put it in the bracket I'm, because I, actually I'm surprised that you did, but yeah, I, I try, I tried to get away from it and, and I may, I may still like, I haven't published these yet. It may go away and may be held back for another thing, 
But number four, I've got Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. Um, so let me, yeah. I'll, I'll make the case for it, right? Okay, sure, totally. So I think the case for it is it has become the de facto song of the holiday season, right? Like it literally people play it as a marker to start Christmas yeah. season. Yep. Like that's it. That's what it's become. Like, and I don't think like even like I was looking up, I mean, the number one selling single of all time is still white Christmas. I mean, that, is it? Yeah, oh, okay. That's still, that's still, I think that, of the nineties is yeah. probably what my brain was. Th- yeah. Actually yeah, of all and, time, you're, you're right. Actually, and you have like a couple from the 90s. Number two is actually Candle in the Wind, 97. Ooh, shit. But Damn. the 97 version, right? That was right. for yeah. Princess Di. And oh, then. God. I'm going to have to put that. I don't have that on the list. That's yeah. just totally not there. Yeah. Oh, boy. And then. Well, thank you. Thank you, Gabe. I, I will always that. love you is fourth. Um, Mungo Jerry in the summertime from 1970, uh, apparently, but that's disputed, discussed. So maybe someone's having hmm. some fun on Wiki, Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, but number one is still White Christmas. But I don't think okay. anyone ever thought White Christmas was like the quintessence. I mean, it, it's a huge Christmas song. Don't get me wrong, but it never like marked the start of the season. Like people didn't play White Christmas and were like, "Well, now it's Christmas." People play All I Want for Christmas with this idea of like it is now Christmas. Yeah. Right. Like this yeah. is how we bring in the, the Christmas season. Um, which just shows how much it's become a completely secular holiday, but like, right. Like, right. I mean, but that, but that's, that's what, uh, so that would be the case for it. Right. Um, you know, and the and, case, the case against it is that it is a, a, you know, holiday theme song right. that is not part of a sort of broader dance pop R and B tradition. Um, and, and so in, in that same regard, I, I, I could conceive, I could see leaving it out and saving it for a totally different thing. Um, but it is both, both in retrospect and just simply as like acknowledging a thing that was made at the time, like that is, that is a perfect composition. Like I, I couldn't totally ignore it. You know, right. it is, it is the, it is the most well-composed Christmas song ever made. And I like, we just can't quite dispute that. Like, no. and I, I mean, I love every single Phil Spector, uh, song. I love every single, uh, other standard. I, I love Christmas music deeply. And I, if you were to make me pick one, I'm picking the Mariah one. It's, yeah. it's it's unbeatable it it um it can't be overplayed like i mean yeah. it's, it's because it is overplayed in terms yeah, of I'll, numbers but i don't ever not want to hear it no. it's not like it's not like a paul mccartney christmas song or no. some other <laughs> awful no. thing like yeah i i i'm not skipping it i'm never skipping it so. speaking of which so speaking of all-time tel- selling signals here's another reason for the case in the top 15 um mm-hmm. all i want for christmas is there 16 million uh copies and sales um but no other decade in that top 15 has more than the 90s they have six Mm. out of the top 15 are now this is all wikipedia so take it with a grain of salt but number two candle in the wind 1997 uh four i will always love you whitney houston 92 seven eight nine ten is celine dion my heart will go on all i want for christmas for you is 11 
12 is Brian Adams. Everything I do, I do it for you. Yeah. And then uh, 1991, rounding out the top 15, Scorpions winds, winds of change. So hmm. that's, that's uh, a 90s track? 1991, according to uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, Wind of Change, Scorpions. So Man. the 90s are kind of dominating, which is, you know, awesome. And it's cert- yeah, it's certainly in terms of sales, like that's when sing- people bought singles. But, right, right. But, uh, and more, you know, there are more people in the world and all the things that affect just number counting. But, uh, yeah, and it and it shows again that the impact of Napster because you don't get to uh, there's nothing from the the '90s on that even come into the 10 million copies sold hmm. yeah. range. Yep. Then you start getting into d- digital copies, like that's how then they start making the change, right? But yeah. but yeah, it's 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 kind of kind of crazy. Well, we'll uh, I'll save that decision for uh, the next few hours, but um, I'm gonna just keep rolling through yep. the top sixteen for ninety to ninety four. Um, SWV right here, the Human Nature remix, uh, because it it it's probably a bit of a cheat. It's a little bit roided up because it uses a Michael Jackson sample, but it is um, it is a an undeniably uh it is a banger it still slaps yeah um number six color me bad i want to sex you up um the quintessential 90s song really yeah it's it 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 could be top five uh it might be um and right after that we've got bell bib devoe poison which again if you if you went to junior high school in the 90s uh you were undoubtedly confronted by the uh, the necessity to figure out how to dance to those songs in front of your peers. Um, well, I witnessed several dance battles that were done to the extended remix version of Poison. Um, I'm sure people yeah. probably wearing one strapped overalls and things yes. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, whole the whole like East Coast family. Uh, Bell Bib DeVoe, ABC, uh, you know, Boys to Men, like that whole phenomenon is just fascinating to me. I remember like in Motown Philly, like hearing them reference another group. I'm like, wait a minute, what? They're like yeah. all together? Like this is before, this is before like, you know, East Coast, West Coast and, uh, you know, yeah. this idea of like a label family. Uh, uh, I mean, I know there was Motown and stuff like that before then, but this idea that like, Wait, they're like all together, like they're a stable, like a wrestling right. stable, like that right, was, yeah, like absolutely. That was so cool and crazy to me. Like I was just like, wow, that's so great. And I had, I saw ABC is on the list. They're not going to make the top thirty-two, and they shouldn't. But like I had that album on. Oh tape, yeah, absolutely. and I just played it over and over and over and over again at the playground. You, you know, know. <laughs> playground, which is basically oh, it's just like poison, right? Like it's oh the yeah, same it's absolutely exact thing. I mean that that same little weird like like chord flourish. Yeah, is uh was the entire like production uh you know motif for for the uh Bivens production house. Bivens production, um, yeah. 
but all right. So getting into the other the other seeds, we've got uh, Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you at number eight, and again a Prince track, uh, yep. but not performed by him. Uh, Boys and Men, End of the Road at number nine. Extreme, More Than Words at number ten. Definitely gonna play that at the at the middle school dance party. Yep. At some point oh, I, in time. I was I can remember being in the hallway at my junior high school because my mom was the teach was a dance teacher at my right. junior high school. Right. And so I didn't even always go to the dances because it was it was weird and whatever. But I would hang out like in school waiting for her to leave and like I I remember hearing that song echoing through the halls and just being like I'm really glad I didn't go to this dance today because as much as I understood that it was a very, very impactful and, and good song, it's a good song. It is a good song. Uh, I did not want to have to have anything to do with figuring out how to dance to a girl to that song or dance with a girl to that song. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Awkwardly so. and space with a, you know, the Holy ghost in between you and absolutely and wearing some really, oddly cut guest jeans, something yes. like that. Beaver that boy. That were pegged. Yeah. Um, George Michael freedom 90 is the 11th seed that I have. That album's um, awesome. By the way, the album's really good. Like it's it stands re- up. It's really it's good. Absolutely. Still stands up. Yeah. And again, another video that probably iconic. M- yeah. Made, made more people's, you know, hormones change than, <laughs> Than any anything else. Um, Delight Groove is in the heart, number twelve. Yeah. Shade No Ordinary Love at thirteen. Yeah. Janet Jackson, that's the way love goes at fourteen. And I mean, I really had a hard time. Like the the second half of the of the of these seeds is mostly singles. It's mostly uh, you know artists who who had one big hit, but um. And Vogue, my lovin', never gonna get it, is yeah, my number fifteen. And uh, and yeah, they I I could have picked any one of their songs to be their sort of like seed because, like they they all had had big, big impacts. Um, like free your like mind. Like I said, just I mean, just huge. Like I mean, yeah, I mean, just unbelievably huge. Um, and then the the 16th seed, and I, this may move around, but because I di- I don't remember the song as as big at the time, but like later in the decade, it was massive. Yeah, was a uh, Desiree You Gotta Be. Um, and I feel like maybe it hit, even though it was released in '94, it maybe hit later than I, I didn't look at the charts on it, but I just knew that it, it it had a big, big chart performance. You can't, I mean, and Waterfalls is another one of the example of this, but you can't underestimate the pop song with the deeper meaning in the '90s, right? That was going to be used for every, you know, going to be used in ads, in 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 you know, sport coverage montages like yeah. i mean yep. all of these different things that have like a positive message to it and like it's not just a silly pop song it's got some kind of deeper meaning or something that can easily be overlaid into anything else that you want to f- be seen as inspirational on some level 
Um, and I think that that's where you get a lot of these songs kind of live on. I mean, we're going to get to another one later that had a whole nother life because of a movie or a sketch on Saturday Night Live. You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> in the 90s, you just had that. I mean, you've always had this in pop music. I mean, going back to, um, you know, so wonderfully done in uh, that Tom Hanks movie, that thing you do where like if you had the hit big single, the next thing you did was you were going to be on a television show or you were going to be in the movie. Right. Some yeah. like beach movie or something like that. Right. Where was your crossover status? But in the 90s, it became commercialized to the point of like, you know, what ad were you going to be used in or what, you know, what broadcast were you going to be on or what guest cameo were you going to make on some, you know. TV show or were you going to be on 90210 like all these different kind of things like kind of spoke to I think the longevity of these songs like you were talking about of living past their sell-by date essentially right yeah totally um and you uh you mentioned you know I I, I'm not going to go through all the the rest of the seeds but you know a couple big ones that I'm sure people will be hoping that are on there Snow Informer will certainly be there uh, in this decade. Uh, here comes the Hot Stepper, and of course, as as you referenced, one that that probably had a, a bigger life later in the decade, um, but was was released early. And you know, again, all that some of that stuff bleeds together. I, I don't know exactly when this particular sketch started, but uh, it was defined by this song. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is You know, when you said you were like, there were so many like European dance songs that you could have put into this thing. Like, this is what immediately pops in my head because I was <laughs> in, I was in London Uh huh. because this song I think hit there first, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure it kind of started there and then kind of came over and it was everywhere. You'd get in a cab. It was on the cab. You'd walk <laughs> into a restaurant. It was on the restaurant. Like it was and I just remember at the time thinking, like, what is this song? What <laughs> oh, is absolutely. this? Yeah. Like, and then to to years later, like you said, have this second life of kind of like, you know, because of the Saturday Night Live skit, like it, it was so weird to me because I was like, I I was there when it was like breaking for the first time. And then to see it cross over, because you because it was so not foreign, but I mean just it, it, it is a it is a it is a derivative I wouldn't say it's quintessential because if you know anything about kind of European dance music stuff but it is, but it is an example of it and so it's not it's not it's something a, yeah, that it's lends just a itself to, exa- it's not something that lends itself to to American pop sensibilities right like I mean the fact no. that it had such a moment is kind of amazing in and of itself yeah yeah it uh it's great it's a it's a perfect you know, perfect exemplar of that weird electronica that was happening at the time being merged with like 
conventional like soaring R&B singer uh you know vocals it's it's a it's a great song and and I think that's where we'll leave the the 9094 bracket um there's so many songs we could talk about every single song in this bracket oh my and, gosh and you know reminisce about what what it meant to us as as adolescents but that's where we'll leave it and uh we will move on um to the 95 99 bracket on the uh the next show if i should stay i would only be in your So I'll go, but I know I'll think of you every step of the way.